Seinfeld, the soup is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now here are the two guys who never eat at Reggie's. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I was going to say, uh, who always give away Armani suits? Yes, yes. What size are you, 40, 42? I have no idea. But I, I think, what's it called? Armani was like such a, was a classic example of like 90s excess. Yes. But nobody talks about Armani anymore, right? <laughs> Boy, everybody so quickly just knew what size studio, 40 or 42. So I know. I have me, no idea. Right. I have no idea. Large? I, I used to know. wear suits all the time, and I don't think I ever knew what size suit I am. <laughs> I didn't even know the, what numbers that you give for a suit. Like, I don't even think there are numbers. Is that jacket size? Yeah, I'm not even sure. Yeah. Like, well, I know what pants size I am. Believe you me, I'm not working out like Banya. No, I'm, um, yeah, I don't like, I guess the people working out are more apt to know what size of everything they are. I guess so. I guess so. If I could tell you that I'm getting huge, it would not be because I am working out so much. You're talking to somebody who, who's like popped four pants buttons in the last few months. <laughs> All right. Well, we are here to talk about the soup, not the soup Nazi, the regular soup. No, not the Joel McHale show on E. This is the soup from Seinfeld season six. From November of 1994. Uh, yeah, the even more, you know, well-remembered classic episode, The Soup. Yeah, if only they would have named this episode The Meal. I think that that would have probably ended all the confusion. It's true. I, I think this is a well-remembered episode. Everyone remembers The Soup and the Sandwich type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the Elaine storyline, I don't think people remember as much. Pretty forgettable. And the George storyline. But but everyone does remember. This is Banya's first appearance. He's a well-known character. The, I do. They did miss the name here. Or maybe they didn't miss it, but once they, they didn't know the Soup Nazi was coming and was going to blow this out of the water. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to talk about this and Jerry getting a suit from for in exchange for a meal from Banya, and it's a bad deal, and we'll go through all of that. Plus, in this episode, Akiva later on will reveal the rankings of his top twenty five soups of all time. Yeah, people I know, people are probably just going to fast forward to that and skip the rest. People of the will probably skip ahead. We'll try to get in the show notes exactly the timestamp of when Akiva's soup rankings start. If you can't wait, um, if you want to make a meal out of that, <laughs> then just go right ahead. Crumble up some crackers right on Akiva's soup rankings. That's right. Yeah. And do you have any sort of weird rules about the soup of like, okay, well, I these are my top 25 soups, but I don't eat any cream soups. So I think that's gross. So this is my top 25, but like when you did your cereal rankings, but anything that had chocolate in it was out. That's right. Um, yeah, well, the kosher thing is in play, but only mm. with one or two soups. Okay. So what I did was I took out all of the bisques and the chowders, and that got rid of anything w- really fishy like, uh, you know, clam chowder and lobster bisque. So you skipped over the best part? I I did. I did skip over the best part. <laughs> I did not mention the bisque. <laughs> yada, 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 right through it. All right. So we're going to talk about all that and much more. Akiva, is it true that you also have an update for us this week following last week's podcast talking about the gymnast? Yeah, I guess this will be uh, in place of the news segment this week because this is really breaking news. Update. (laughs) Yes. So uh, I don't I don't see the email right now, but somebody did ask in a question that I didn't have an answer to. They said, didn't you think that like Misha, the the, just to remind people about last week. So last week in the gymnast, the uh, Misha, the the uh, gymnast, Olympic gymnast friend of Jerry's gymnast, Romanian gymnast girlfriend. What was her name? Katya? Uh, something like that. And, and so, so Misha, uh, here's, here's Kramer screaming from the bathroom when he's passing a kidney stone and wobbles and falls off the, you know, million-story high uh, tightrope mm-hmm. at the circus. Yep. And then somebody said, don't you think it would, like, 
it's weird that like that wouldn't distract him, like just Kramer yelling from like a million miles away. And I did some research. I got to thinking that it's true. Like he's a professional. There's no way that he would have fallen. They probably have some sort of safety in place. There had to be sabotage. Yes, <laughs> there had to be. And really, like, why would someone sabotage them? It would probably be have to be someone who is jealous that Misha is getting back together with Katya. She, at this point, she's probably already seeing Misha behind Jerry's back at this point, from what we, what we know. Mm-hmm. And Jerry didn't know about it. So Jerry, you know, he didn't know Misha existed probably until the circus came up. Jerry had no means to, you know, cut the rope at the circus to sabotage the tightrope. Mm-hmm. But, you know, figure like they had started dating maybe at the 84 Olympics. You know, maybe they maybe she, you know, some, he, Misha stole Kai away from another guy. So you almost have to look at the Romanian Olympic team and, and think who could be jealous. So like people like Nadia Comaneci and the Romanian Olympic team. The problem is they're not in the United. They're not in New York. They're not in the United States in 1994. Wow. So they can be ruled out as suspects. Yeah. So it had to be someone who was at the 84 Olympics and then is living in the United States in 1994. Yeah. So I did research, Rob. Okay. Everyone on the American gymnastics team checks out. Okay. They weren't interested in Katya. When you say checks out, you mean like from the Czech Republic? Oh, no. That didn't even exist in 1980. Oh, okay. My bad. It was still Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Um, But there was one person with a, you know, it has to be someone with with also a history of violence towards women. You know, this isn't a first-time offense, right? You start small by like murdering a puppy or something. Okay. Steve Avery. Yeah. Um. So basically, it wasn't someone in the Olympic team, but I was thinking, like, remember, I'm an, a former NBC, you know, Olympics person, and mm-hmm. the, the NBC sends, you know, thousands of people to the Olympics, and it could have been any of them. So I was, like, looking through the list, who are the announcers, and I think I found their suspect. Who is it? In 1984, the one person that I found with a history of violence towards women, who was both at the Olympics in 84 and in the United States in 1994, and I'm pretty sure we found our guy... Uh, track and field correspondent, Orenthal James Simpson. <laughs> now, wasn't OJ pretty preoccupied in November of 1994? Yeah, but this was filmed before that. They, they just aired it. Mm, I think that OJ was pretty preoccupied even during the shooting dates of this episode. Well, I mean, he was in Chicago, at, you know, when, when the murders happened. So. Yeah, I don't I know. Think, but couldn't he have sent Kato Kalin? To throw Misha off? <laughs> to sabotage the ropes? Oh, we know OJ's M.O., and that is that he takes care of things himself, that OJ does not hire or outsource any of this work. He likes to so, get his hands dirty himself. So you're not buying my theory. I am not. No, I think that was a reach. <laughs> All right. One other news item before we get into the episode. Of course, uh, everybody knows about the modern Seinfeld, Seinfeld current day on Twitter at Seinfeld 2000, that that guy came out with something today. Everybody's talking about uh, forget uh, Katia. Uh, everybody's talking about Kanye this week. Of uh, what would a mashup between Seinfeld and Kanye West look like? You ready to hear this? Yes. I miss the old Kanye. Trip on the gold Kanye. Chop up the soul Kanye. Set on his goals Kanye. I hate the new Kanye. The bad mood Kanye. The always rude Kanye. Fast in the news Kanye. I miss the sweet Kanye. Chop up the beast Kanye. I gotta say, at that time I like to meet Kanye. See, I invented Kanye. It wasn't any Kanye. And now I look and look around and there's so many Kanye. I used to love Kanye. I used to love Kanye. I even had the pink polo. I thought I was Kanye. What if Kanye made a song about Kanye? Well, I miss the old Kanye. But I'd be so Kanye. That's all it was Kanye. We still love Kanye. And I love you like Kanye. <laughs> yeah, what you think of that? That's good, right? That's brilliant. Uh, he did that song as like the rap battle on Saturday Night Live this week. Yeah, but nobody knew at that point that song existed because the album wasn't out yet. Right. So I think like people thought he was freestyling or something when he was just like literally quoting a song from his album. Yeah. 
So I don't know about I don't know about Kanye in the rap battles. I feel <laughs> like I'm going with someone else. Yeah. I also have a Seinfeld tweet of the week. Oh, go for it. Recurring segment sometimes when we get a good one. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Caitlin Bitsiago at Caterade tweeted, the most unbelievable thing about Seinfeld is that a comedian has three non-comedian friends. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty true. They, they say uh, civilians. They call them civilians. They don't civilians. like to hang out with civilians. Right. <laughs> right. I think that's same, also By the way, true. same thing with podcasters. Rob and, and survivors. I don't hang out with anybody. Right. Yeah. You don't hang out with anyone who doesn't podcast. That's right. <laughs> you can absolutely, I think, at this point in time, say about the podcasters. Not necessarily so much about the survivors for me, but I think about podcasters now. I don't think I am friends with any one person who doesn't podcast. Uh, yeah, probably true. But but again, for you, that's a different case. Like, are you friends with anyone who does podcast? <laughs> well, I, I would like to think so. Sure. Okay. But it, but. Basically, if someone's not podcasting, they're not they're not your friend. I'm like, what? This person doesn't even podcast. What am I associating with them for? It's true, and like we don't see them at the podcasters' conventions, and like right. they're not in the union. <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's get into the soup. Going back to the week of November 10th, 1994. Jerry opens this up, and it's funny that we're talking about people that you'd be friends with. Jerry seems to really hate any time a friend of his gets in a relationship because. He says that no matter what, the person is different. And now just because another person enjoys sex or wants to see that other person naked, they can no longer have your back in any sort of argument. Yeah, it is true. Like you don't realize this when you're, you know, in college or something, but who your friend marries is so important in terms of your relationship with them, because if the wife hates you, you're out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you hate the wife, you'll probably stick with your friend and just try and avoid her. Mm-hmm. But if the wife hates you, like she's going to ban him from seeing you most of the time. Yeah. No, that happened to me in college. I had a guy who was my roommate and we were uh, good friends. And then all of a sudden he started dating this girl. And then that was it. And then I like never saw him again. Does the girl hate you or, or it was almost like he gave up on you? I don't know if she hated me. I felt like that uh, she didn't really love me in terms of like uh, not love, love, but I felt like Were you a uh, bad influence on him. No. Uh, who am I a bad influence on? I guess I'm a bad influence on of like, hey, let's, you know, watch game shows or whatever, you know, right in that way where I'm not like some sort of like uh, a mature influence on another person. I mean, you, you like get people to watch a lot of television. Yeah, which is not really what, you know, the average 21 year old college student wants to hear of like, you know, I think they, she wants to go see, you know, exciting things. Yeah. So you were out there. Right. And I'm sort of the antithesis of excitement. No, some people think you're exciting. <laughs> some people do. But not a lot of, you know, uh, women in college around uh, 1997. No, for sure not. For sure, absolutely not. You were not. You were not Plan A for them. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, you could maybe say maybe I'm getting more exciting with age, but probably not. That would probably also be very complimentary. You could still peak. Like you have, you may not have peaked yet. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, to be fair, like ten years ago, you were on the number one show on television, so maybe you peaked then. Maybe you peaked then. And this is this is sort of like a little bit of a like an uptick from from rock bottom. <laughs> yeah, I do love the antithesis of excitement. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this episode. And we start off here in the diner, and we have a new waitress here at Monk's, and she is very flirty with George. Jerry is ordering a turkey club without the bacon, and we see George. He is uh, His flirt game is on point. He's ordering a bacon club without the turkey. The waitress is really into George, seemingly. She's going to go make him his own sandwich. She's going to go come up with something that's going to be better for him than a bacon sandwich. 
I, you know, I don't eat bacon. So I didn't even know, like, the first few times I saw this episode that that's a joke. Like the bacon club with I thought like that's a thing, a bacon club. And you just don't he's getting no turkey on the side. Yeah, I think you would call it a BLT at that point. Right, right. right. I guess that. But what if there's no tomatoes or lettuce? (laughs) Well, I think that that would be a weird sandwich, especially to order in a diner. I'll just have a bacon sandwich. Really? You can't get a bacon sandwich? I think that would be very uncommon. I think that the BLT is. But I don't like lettuce and tomatoes. Does that mean I can't eat bacon? Well, you don't even eat bacon. I know, but let's say I decided today I want to eat bacon. I think you'd like it. I will sooner start eating bacon than lettuce and tomatoes, first of all. <laughs> I, so, like, what am I going to do? Like, if I get a, a hamburger, I'll take out the, the lettuce and tomatoes. Okay. I mean, if you wanted to have a bacon sandwich, I mean, people... But now people bacon. are going to look at me. I'm gonna, they're going to like, oh, this guy, he's never even eaten bacon before, probably. <laughs> They'll know. <laughs> It'll be a big tip-off for everybody. So she's going to go and work on a sandwich for him. I mean, I guess people, I'm sure, have eaten a bacon sandwich, okay? So we end up now with George wondering if the waitress likes him. He's going back and forth, and Jerry is sort of in his own world of wondering if he should have gotten the omelet. Yeah, it's typical Jerry only worrying about himself, but it does seem like she likes him. Yeah, it definitely does seem like that. Now, the waitress, Kelly is her name. I feel like she seems very familiar, but I can't pick out where I know her from. Uh, okay, so Kelly has been, I believe, uh, in a previous episode of this very show. Mm. She played Marlene in The Ex-Girlfriend. So you may know her from elsewhere also, but yeah. you know her from Seinfeld. I'm looking you know, at her IMDb and nothing really rings a bell that she was in, but she does look very familiar. Uh, she does have that look pretty like generic, like TV, you know, I've seen you a bunch of places, but it is interesting. Like this is a relatively they do double dip with like uh you know minor minor people but Mm -hmm. i I would guess this is very um you know this is uh like a pretty big role for for someone to be on twice but who remembers dex girlfriend three years (laughs) yeah george ends this with jerry of is it possible that she sees something is that possible yeah and remember this this girl again she's a different person so it's not canon she broke up with uh with George, and then Jerry wanted to start dating her. So, you know, she sees something maybe in both of them. Um, you know, maybe that's what I know her from. Yeah, it is a show. We've podcasted about it, probably. Yeah, that might be. It's it. very hard to really keep track of all these ex-girlfriends. A lot of times they have, like, three lines. And Yeah, and we've watched every episode in the last year and a half. I, and we you know what just... I was thinking? Like, we've watched so much. I think at some point late in the series, some, we should have, like, a third party come on, and we should have trivia, me versus you, mm-hmm. on all the episodes. What That'd do you think about fun. that idea? That would be very fun. Yeah. I think that somebody... Who do you think would win? Who would win it? Um, yeah. Boy. You have, a, you have a very good memory. I would not say that that's the case. I think I've I think seen I... the episodes way more than you have, but I, I don't... My memory of, of the stuff from... It would be a very fair battle. It I would... think so. I think it's a good idea, actually. My pro- I'll tell you my problem right now. Is that like I'm the type of person who would want to make the questions for a thing like this. So it's going to be like Chester or someone's going to make the questions. And I'm just going to get mad the whole time that he asks like dumb things that nobody should know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that I'm probably better at like cramming before a test here. Oh, yeah. Just... I, I don't study. Did I, right. Have I ever mentioned I never studied for one test in all of college? Wow. I don't think I studied much, but I feel like that I'm sort never of once. gotten better even with podcasting of sort of like, okay, I'm going to p- talk about something here in an hour let me load in all of the facts into my brain and then, okay, podcast over. I can just like let that all out of my head. Right. I like, I can do research for sure, but I'm also not going to go back and watch the episode. So I'm kind of limited. Yeah. All right. Well, 
we have Elaine coming in. She talks about how she just got back from England with Mr. Pitt. She met an Englishman and she had this guy come into town. He's flying in on Elaine's frequent flyer miles on an open-ended ticket. Boy, this is a big move for Elaine. Yeah, and by the way, a very expensive ticket. Like overseas, open-ended, that's, that's a lot of money, that ticket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a big move, but listen, Elaine is... She's she's the type of person who'll make big moves. She's not afraid to make big moves. Uh, in terms of this British guy, as we see him for the rest of the episode, I want to posit that he may be the new worst person we've met on the show. So let's <laughs> keep an eye on that, Simon. Yeah. Now tell me, Akiva, what is the difference between this subplot and the storyline from season two's The Bus Boy, where Elaine meets a guy who is coming in from Seattle, who's staying from her apartment and then it is brutal. She can't get rid of that guy. And then she ends up oversleeping on the day he's supposed to go back to the airport. Isn't this yeah, almost the same exact story? It's very similar. And Elaine has about four or five uh, boyfriends that for whatever reason she just cannot break up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's too old. He's whatever. But uh, this is almost identical. This is more interesting. Like if you were going to pick one, this happens to come second. But it's better than that one because this guy is just abhorrent. Right. And the bus boy is one of the worst Seinfeld episodes there is. Sure. So maybe they forgot it. Like to them, that's not even really like a canonical episode. Yeah. By, oh, by the way, I just want to say uh, one thing, Rob. Yes. Elaine, 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 Elaine. All right. Keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the callback if you heard last. All right. So we are now getting an introduction to Banya. First appearance from Kenny Banya here on Seinfeld. So a big moment. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, we have we've met most of the you know, we haven't seen Jackie Childs, but we've met most of the main players at this point. So it's exciting to see Banya finally. You're going with Banya. I feel like it's more like Banya. 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 Kenny Banya. Like said with disdain. (laughs) Yes. If he was like fancier, it would be Banya probably. Okay, so we see him for the very first time. He's introduced to us as a horrible stand up comedian, which I guess is true. It's canon. Yeah. And it's also funny because he is like a kind of. Like, even in the inside look, Jerry kind of tucks down about him, even though he's complimenting him, where he's like, oh, yeah, he's like a club comic that has, like, a lot of irrational confidence. Essentially, Jerry's saying, like, he has a lot of confidence for no reason. Like, he shouldn't be confident in his abilities, but he is. Mm-hmm. So here comes Banya. Or how do you want me to say it? Banya? No, you're saying it right. Now you're now you're throwing yourself off your game. Yeah, Banya. Banya. Here comes Banya. And he talks about how he's been working out. He's huge. He went from a 40 to a 42. Yeah, usually I like this is why I don't work out because I'm going to gain more sizes. Then my pants will be exploding. Well, I don't think you really gain size in your legs too much. I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of people don't really make that the number one focus in their workout. So you skip leg day if I'm going to start working out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, who's, what do you suggest? What should I start doing? <laughs> I haven't exercised in like five years. I think start small. I think you just go with some sort of like a full body training circuit well, I don't think there's you... no question i'm gonna start small i just walked up the stairs before we did this podcast that i'm still winded half hour late. <laughs> well banya he makes a big mistake in that he's got this brand new armani suit and then he started working out and now he's just he's too big and now he needs to get rid of it jerry happens to also be a size 40 suit he wants jerry to take the suit by the way it's amazing that everyone is a size 40 suit in this episode right yes everybody's the same exact size Except I suppose George and Kramer. Yeah, they're not in the mix. for the, They're not in the running for the Banya suit. All right, so Banya will drop it off at Jerry's house. And again, here we have in this scene, 
George and Elena are like, oh, this is a great deal. Yeah, you got to take the suit. And Jerry is very reluctant the whole way. At yeah, no he should have said no. Yeah. He should have said no. Yeah, he doesn't want the suit. And anyway, so here comes the waitress. She comes back. She says to George, I personally made you a cold chicken sandwich. It's not even on the menu. Akiva, how implausible is this whole interaction at this point? That, that, that a chicken sandwich is not on the menu? The fact that the waitress went into the kitchen and made a sandwich I mean, isn't the this sh- is a, this is like a small uh, not to spoil next week's episode, but this is a mom and pop operation, mm-hmm. right? So, so you think that's you know, fine? I feel like any sort of restaurant scenario that I've ever been in, in, in sort of like a, you the know, waitresses are not making you food at the restaurants you you go to. I feel like that that would be highly irregular for that to happen for the waitress. What if the waitress? What if I told you, Rob, that the waitress had been working there for two or three weeks already, though? I feel like that that would even be that she's only been there that short amount of time is like uh, really even worse. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was better when I was explaining it. Yeah. I feel like that <laughs> this woman is coming around the kitchen. I mean, it, gets, it depends on, I think, who the cook is. I feel like, yeah. be yeah, like, hey. I feel like this is a fly by night operation. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is the same restaurant. There's a manager threatening to make a, a customer into a hand puppet. So, okay. Fair you enough. know, it's a miracle Monk stays open for nine seasons. Really, the finale should have just been Monk's closing. <laughs> like the end of Cheers? Basically. Oh, yeah, I guess they couldn't have done that, right? That was the Cheers ending. <laughs> I guess so. That's probably you, what they were can thinking. Can you add a spoiler alert to the beginning of this episode, though? <laughs> we'll put that in. We'll go back. People have been t- telling me they've been binging Cheers once they finish Seinfeld. <laughs> All right. So we see Jerry and George on the street, and George is, like, realizing that she oozes substance. I need to go back. I got to go in there and ask her out. Jerry's pushing him to do it, and George's like, hey, you're trying to set me up. That's the toughest move in the business. That's no man's land. First of all, when does George care about substance? But yeah, that is a tough move. You leave, and then it's like uh, you come back in sheepishly. It's it, That's a tough sell for you. Yeah, so Jerry sort of like talks him into it, and there's a bit of a, like a army scene where Jerry's like, come on, soldier, go in there, go go do it, and, and George will. Yeah, I mean, George's got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. So we end up seeing now at Jerry's apartment – so Kramer comes into Jerry's apartment. He needs help moving the fridge. He's getting rid of his refrigerator because he's going to eat all fresh food after the kidney stone. Now, again, I am no medical specialist, but I'm not sure if necessarily refrigerated food is what leads to a kidney stone. Yeah, like you said, you're no medical professional. I mean, obviously it does. That's what leads to <laughs> Obviously. All right. So now Banya is here as well. He comes up. And he is going to bring the suit to Jerry. We find out that Kramer is thinking about putting a dresser in place of the refrigerator so he can get dressed while he's making breakfast. Yeah, but what's he making breakfast with? I don't know. Well, I guess he's going to go and get like some eggs from some sort of a farm or some sort of a ranch, bring them back to his house and then cook them before they need to be refrigerated. But do you need to? I don't even know. Do you need to refrigerate eggs? I'm, I'm like an idiot. Eggs should be refrigerated, right? They come in sort of like a chilled area of the supermarket, and then you okay. put them in the refrigerator. You could tell them a chopping idea <laughs> and, and cooking. All right. So Banya has the suit, and Kramer wants him to try it on. Like Kramer's like, oh, my God. Wow. What a, this, you got an Armani suit? Wow. What a great guy. So Jerry really getting no support from his friends on any of this. Yeah, it's a nice suit. Yeah. So the moment that this all turns is when Banya professes like, yeah, and I don't even want anything for it. Yeah, that's like uh, that basically is sort of like calling yourself humble almost (laughs) like it's a recipe for disaster here. Right. So Banya says, well, I guess you could buy me dinner. (laughs) And Kramer's like, oh, that's a great deal. What are you kidding me? 
You won't get a better deal than that. I mean, here's the thing. If you value, if you knew Jerry Seinfeld, like, there's nothing he values more than avoiding awkward situations. Right. So he would not, and he doesn't even want the suit. How often does he wear a suit? Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he would not have made that deal had you offered it up front, even if it was just one meal and not three. Yeah. All right. So Banya is going to end up leaving. And so Jerry says to Kramer that this is a terrible deal, horrible deal. He doesn't want to go to dinner with him. He says, I'd rather make my own suit, which I don't know why that really made me laugh. Yeah, it's a good line. I'm not I'm not sure. Like, I guess the the, the vision of the image of Jerry making his own suit is probably pretty funny. <laughs> Jerry, like us, would have been a terrible like 1850s person. <laughs> OK. All right. So George comes in and he ends up announcing about how he did it. It's done. He got the woman to go on the date with him. The woman from the restaurant. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't know what like we don't really know what she sees in him. But, uh, you know, I guess good for George. Okay. They're going to go on a day date. And that's no pressure. Day date. All excitement. On the day date. You don't have to shower, they say. Uh, you don't have to have any drinks. Uh, so no wine, they say. So, Akiva, can you tell me the difference between a day date and a night date? I mean, to me, it's it, there's a lot of the problem with the day date is that like a night date has a natural conclusion. Right. It's like I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. And it's like we're either going home separately or together, you know. Mm-hmm. There's sort of the day date. It would have to go incredibly well for you to sort of make it to the night. So it's like, when do you end it? It's good for the person who doesn't want to be there because it's like, oh, I need to, you know, I have a six o'clock, uh, you know, appointment with my personal trainer or I have to, <laughs> I'm meeting someone for dinner. What are you, Banya? I mean, not me, obviously. <laughs> uh, you know, dinner is getting cold. Like I have to, you know, you have yeah, a lot my of my wife has with... dinner on the table. I need to. That's right. By the way, speaking of my wife, I could, uh. So I asked my wife to get me tea as we were starting this podcast. Yeah, and this she gave me a cup of tea that's a third full. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what the, what the deal is here. But, uh, terrible, terrible. Deal. Seems highly passive aggressive. I, I feel like it may have been maybe poison. <laughs> when she found that you should when she found right. that I was doing two podcasts in one day, she so didn't that. want to dilute um, the poison too much. No. Um. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the day date has a lot of a lot of outs. So if you are. If you're sort of the the person dating George in the scenario, you're in good shape. I almost disagree. I feel like that the day date also a stranger. Like you're, isn't it more likely you'd get murdered at night? <laughs> I guess so. I feel like the day date. I think it's harder to get out. I feel like the nighttime has the more natural ending of oh, it's getting late, boy, ten o'clock already. So I feel like the day date. It could be five o'clock, and it's like, what do you want to do next? Yeah, I guess that's true. What well, do you yeah, want to do it next? Works both ways. Yeah. Again, we're the, when any of the time the dating questions come up, we're the wrong. <laughs> That's why I always want to go to things late. <laughs> they say, "Oh, I gotta leave. I gotta, I gotta." Yeah, you want to be the last guy showing up at, to the party. Yeah, nothing trumps, boy. It's getting late. You know, that's the ultimate move to get out. Yeah, because nobody's going to be like, "Oh, it's not getting late. It's only ten thirty. Like <laughs> they don't know when you go to sleep. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, they might have a little bit like, "Come on!" Like, no, no, I gotta go. It's getting late. So, but in daytime is like you're screwed. Yeah. Now that you say it, maybe the day date is worse. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll get to George on his day date in a minute. So we see now Elaine in the back of the cab with Simon. And again, Simon is a pretty detestable character. And so he gets really annoyed with Elaine that he says that the airline food was bad. Elaine says she actually likes airline food, which I'm not sure how that's a actual line of dialogue, but maybe... She just likes that it's really boring on the plane. And I guess they give you something to do for five seconds. Didn't seem like she really liked airline food when we saw her 
uh, in coach back when Jerry was in first class. I mean, she really wanted a regular meal, right? And yeah. they only had kosher. <laughs> so it's pos- maybe that's because she loves airline food. So she was upset about it. Okay. And so then the guy is like muttering under his breath, which I wasn't really sure what they were going for there. Yeah, it's it, like they should have. This is almost like we make fun of the sitcom E scenes where it's, you know, you hear the person and, and the person who's being insulted should hear it, but doesn't. Mm-hmm. But here they should have done that. Yeah. Like it, it almost didn't play well enough. And it's also funny. A lot of like the structure of a normal thing is like Elaine is so happy with the guy. The first time we see him, he's good. And then he starts to slip. This guy is terrible from the first time we see him. From the jump, right. He's on Elaine because she's saying what? He's saying that she should say pardon. And so things are not going well between Elaine and Simon. Okay, so we go to George on the date with Kelly. We find out that Kelly is only working at Monk's because that she is somebody who is trying to sell her crafts. Akiva, imagine how tough it must have been for Kelly in her pre-Etsy world. That's true. You think she she wouldn't have had to work at Monk's? She would have just been Etsying it up? Right. She would have just been home on her computer making her crafts, not trying to get these funky little hair clips into the department store. Yeah, I mean, you think she wouldn't have ended up in Bloomingdale's, though? It could have been worse for her. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's right. Who knows how it turned out, though, in Bloomingdale's? Maybe she's a mogul now, but maybe she's back at Monk's. Yeah, that's a good question. Or worse, at Reggie's. No, I don't think she fell that far. Yeah. So... George tries to stop her from walking into a pile of horse manure, which was left. Again, they're sort of like walking through uh, Central Park. And so George says, when you think about it, the word horse manure is not that bad because the word manure has two things that are pretty good in ma in front of anure. Ma and newer are both good things. He says it's actually pretty refreshing. Yeah, I mean, this is not such a, like, okay, he's doing a bit, and she doesn't like it. I'm not sure why this is reason enough to to say you have a boyfriend and write the guy off forever. Yeah. All right. So she then says, okay, oh, you have a nice watch. And he says, yeah. And that goes immediately into, you know, my boyfriend has the same one. He's a real watch freak, she says. Yeah, and again, this is a made-up boyfriend. Are there a lot of watch freaks? Do you know any watch freaks? I'm sure there are watch freaks. Now, let's just talk this through. Is it even debatable as to whether or not that this turns out to be, as Jerry would call it later on in the episode, an audible? No, I think I think uh, because Kramer's girlfriend confirms that she didn't have a boyfriend, there's no, there's no like uh, shades of gray here. It's clearly a lie. So this is 100% audible? Yes, she omaha Omaha! Omaha! <laughs> now, do you think, was it only because of this, or was that just the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back here? I mean, it's pot, like, it's weird, because she was super into George, so she knows what he looks like. It's not like this was a phone thing, right? Right. So what could he have done, like, he, he doesn't have bad hygiene, like, what could he have done so, you know, ter- like, that was so terrible that she is writing him off very soon into date number one? I don't know, like, uh, you know, maybe maybe he stepped in the manure and he just smelled and she was over him. I don't know. Is it possible that she could have been a more materialistic person and that she thought that, sure, I'd go out with this guy. He'll take me to a nice dinner. And then when it's a date, a day date, walking through Central Park, talking about manure, this is going nowhere. Why am I wasting my time with this guy? Yeah, and also, like, you know, George is pickup game at this point it's a little stronger because he works for the yankees but, right you know so, so he probably doesn't say what his job is he's like oh yeah you know i gotta get back and work for the yankees now she realizes oh he's with me in the middle of the day maybe this is a weekend but he's walking here 
He's the assistant to the traveling secretary. He's not exactly the general manager. There's no money here. There's no future. Let me call an audible right now. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. All right. So <laughs> she ends up saying to George, uh, oh, you stepped right in it. And he has the good line of, yeah, I sure did. So we go back to Jerry's apartment. And again, we always love it when then Jerry and George are sort of talking through what just happened. And so they're really upset about this, that women, I guess, happen to do this to them a fair amount of time where that the woman just happens to bring up, oh, my boyfriend. Like, oh, they just stick it in there. Yeah, this is a great scene, but Jerry's onto it from the first second. Yeah, you think so? The fact that, like, Jerry, well, because he says, you know, like, he basically says that, uh, you know, she, she had to have come up with something because he's asking prying questions right away. Yeah. But I feel like at least he is sympathetic in the moment. He's sort of like, oh, he, this yeah, he is. He's good. Him. It's funny, but he is, he is being sympathetic. But I, I think, like, Whereas George assumes the boyfriend, it's just too improbable. Like, who would go for a walk? Why would you want to go for a walk if yeah. you had a boyfriend? Well, I feel like that Jerry has George's back to some degree because he asks George at first, let me ask you this. What exactly did you say when you asked around? George says, well, I wanted to go for a walk or something. And he says, he's in on the or something. And he does say, yeah, that's a date. So that's confirmed. But then... Jerry does start to ask, is it possible that she called the audible? And then they start to key in on what she was talking about. And eventually we get to the manure conversation. Yeah. And it's definitely a date. I mean, a walk in the middle of the day is like more intimate than like taking her back to your place. Right. Absolutely. Who wants to go on a walk in the middle of the day? You wouldn't do that if you had a boyfriend. Right. They didn't talk about like, well, you're, oh, you walk, I walk, let's do our walking together. I would, I would rather find out my wife, the, the last thing I would want to find say out it, is don't say going it. on walks with people in the middle of the day. <laughs> Why? What would that signify to you if she was going on walks? Well, in the I mean, of the she day? would have a, an at point that she'd probably say, I'd ask, I asked you to go on a walk and you laughed at me and said, I don't walk. Right. <laughs> so George is saying no 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 no. I put a positive spin on it about the manure about how it takes these two things and puts them together in a positive way and Jerry you know uh, very Jerry like is saying about how well she might not have been enamored with your thoughts and feelings on manure you have to know if you're doing a bit on the first date you better be really confident that she's like a big laugher right so now George is starting to feel like, yeah, you know what? She might be a liar. And it's funny because like, okay, but at this point, you've gone on a half a date with her. Isn't it fine to write her off? Like, who cares if she was lying? Yeah, well, that's but that, an insult to George. Yeah, and that wouldn't make, like, the core four wouldn't be the core four. So Kramer comes in, and Jerry immediately realizes that you're looking for something to eat, aren't you? Yeah, to me, the storyline is DOA. DOA for the refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah, the thing kind of makes almost no sense, especially once we get the waitress from Reggie's in the mix as well. It's almost like they wrote the whole episode, then realized that they were five minutes short and forgot to write Kramer into the episode. Yeah, and he was going to get pissed. And they had 20 minutes to figure it out. (laughs) All right, so we find out that Kramer is going to be dating a waitress that works at Reggie's. Now, we get a bit more about this in the deleted scenes, and I actually thought there were a couple things that were interesting in the deleted scenes, but we find out that... It is unusual that George is dating a waitress from Monks and Kramer happens to be dating a waitress from Reggie's. Uh, yeah, and we, yeah, we see like uh, Kramer going, there's a bunch of deleted scenes. We see Kramer, uh, you know, talking about asking her out. Uh, we see a lot more of why Reggie's is so terrible. Right. Uh, and then we see, uh, you know, most importantly, like an alternate ending almost where uh, Banya asks the waitress out on the monk's waitress out on a date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were already going on a date. 
Uh, so I mean, none of those scenes were especially funny, but in terms of like importance to the episode, they actually all added something. Yeah, I do want to talk more about Reggie's when we get there. Is this the first appearance of Reggie's, first mention of Reggie's? I know that Elaine talked about the big salad only a couple episodes ago, but is this the first mention that there is even another establishment called Reggie's? It is, and I also have a, a hot take on Reggie's. When we oh, can't wait. Yeah, so Kramer is dating the waitress from Reggie's, and so... Are Reggie's and Monk's owned by the same people, or do all of the diner folk just happen to know each other? Oh, well, there went my hot take. But yeah, Reggie's is, in in New York City, the diner community is very close-knit. Interesting. I don't know if you know this, but everyone who works in a diner knows everyone who works in a diner. Wow, I had no idea. How's that the case? Well, it just it just is. That's like, everyone knows that in New York City. Like, even if it's 30 miles away, like, the diner people just know other diner people. <laughs> Without exception. And that's how Kramer's girlfriend happens to know the dating status of a waitress at a totally different restaurant, possibly in a whole other part of town. So what you're saying is that being a person who works in a diner is not unlike being a podcaster where the only other people you associate with are other people that happen to also work in a diner? Yeah, I mean, they have the same unions also, the same conventions. There's diner conventions? They get the same screeners for the Oscars. <laughs> they pass them around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same old, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so is that something that is not just unique to being a comedian, being a podcaster? Is it really come down to no matter what profession you are, really the only people you associate with are other people in that same profession? I mean, yes, but obviously the diner thing is ridiculous. And it's the biggest plot hole of the entire series that they would just automatically know each other without any further explanation. Yeah. Oh, wait. So were you being facetious when you said oh, that? Of course. Oh, oh. my God. Oh, my God. Do they have four times a week improv classes? <laughs> you really had me going there. You're very convincing. Uh, I thought you were just yes-anding very well. No, no. I thought you were on. I mean, there's many things about I've the world. three serious things the entire 95 episodes we've podcast. <laughs> you weren't using the same joking tone that I recognized. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> threw me off. Like, this is our first date. We don't really know each other's. <laughs> is it a day date? <laughs> I have somewhere to be. For you, it's always a day date. <laughs> All right. So we end up also learning that Kramer's new squeeze is a full figured gal, which I didn't really feel like she was based on the actress that ends up showing up here. No, she's uh, like taller. Right. Um, yeah, the, like, and that's also just like meaningless. There's no reason to even say it. Like, why would unless like that's his sort of thing now? Right. Um, she's like actually a well-known writer. Uh, mm -hmm. This actress, Kramer's girlfriend. We don't see too much of Hildy, and uh, she's also married to Melissa Etheridge. Oh wow! Yeah, Hildy. Hildy making it big time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. We end up with uh, George wanting to find out from Kramer, can you ask Hildy, because all the diner people know each other, because <laughs> they're, they're in the same union, that can you find out, does Kelly have a boyfriend? Did you also think the podcasters, like the union was real and you just weren't invited to it? I, I didn't think there was a podcasters union. I thought you were saying that there was a diner workers union. It would be pretty sweet if we could get screeners, though. Yeah. That would be I don't know something. why they'd give us movie screeners, but maybe like we do movie yeah. podcasts. If they well, we get screeners of all of the podcasts nominated for podcast awards. Oh, yeah. Oh, obviously. Oh, we know like season three of Serial. We already, have, <laughs> you know, we have everything but the finale. There's an embargo on the finale. They haven't given it to us yet. Yes. 
All right. So then we go to now Jerry. He gets a phone call from Banya. Banya wants the dinner tonight. So they're going to go to Mendy's seven o'clock. Yes. I, I got a lot of thoughts on Mendy's too. Okay. Well, let's talk Mendy's because we're there. Yeah. So Mendy's is an actual restaurant. It is like a so, sort of a chain. There's a few of them in Manhattan. I used to, uh, on about 57th and park ish when I, when I had a job in college right there, there was uh, a Mendy's. So we'd go there every day. Because it was the only like walking distance kosher restaurant. Yes. And the delivery took too long in like a pre seamless era. <laughs> yeah. So what's funny is like in Mendy's, uh, they have they have like like sort of knockoff pictures of the gang of like Jerry Kramer, Elaine and George, like an animated picture as their main logo. Yeah. Which maybe at some point in the last 10 years since I've been there, they've like someone has ceased and desisted them. But for many, many years after the episode aired, they were sort of uh, and I guess their argument could have been like. They Seinfeld probably didn't ask Mendy's what you know for the uh, you know permission. So why can't Mendy use Seinfeld? But uh, they really do like to uh, you know sort of shoehorn in on the Seinfeld stuff. And like even the soups that are mentioned in the episode, like they started serving them after. Mm-hmm. Like they they mentioned chicken gumbos. That's on the menu, and that was not on the menu beforehand. Yeah. What about the swordfish? A uh, swordfish, as I don't know why it came up, but but Chester pointed this out in a very early episode that swordfish isn't kosher, and Mendy's is a kosher restaurant, so they would never serve swordfish. Okay, so they do not have the best swordfish in the city. They don't have any swordfish, and they don't serve salmon, which was mentioned in the. Uh, but how also. do you start serving the passing mention soups and do not serve the main dish that is synonymous with Mendy's in the episode? The salmon. The swordfish, best swordfish in the city. They can't serve swordfish. But then why serve the other stuff? But wait, wait, hold on. So should they close the restaurant because they can't serve the swordfish, or should they stop being kosher and then have no customers? No, but don't pay rest- fan service to every other food item that got mentioned in the episode, but not why serve can't they, the main why, thing. Why can't they squeeze whatever? Listen, if it was up to them, they would have had whatever, like, the biggest, you know, whatever the opposite of a loss leader. Like, whatever is the most, you know, thing you could charge the most for that cost the least, that's what Seinfeld would have ordered because then they could have made a ton of money off it. They didn't choose that they would mention the salmon or the swordfish. Mm-hmm. Your, your problem should be that he orders, the, Jerry orders the salmon, and they don't serve salmon. That should be your bigger issue. My issue is that Banya says they go to Mendy's because they have the best swordfish in the city. The best, Jerry, the best. That's the key line. So don't pretend to be serving, oh, this is canon and everything that they have here, we actually have here. And we're going to put chicken gumbo on the menu because Elaine mentions a chicken gumbo soup. So don't (laughs) just don't change the menu around at the point. If you can't add swordfish to the menu, then don't start adding things that based on Seinfeld. All right. How much is the chicken gumbo at Mandy's? Uh, 12 ounces. Okay. I'll say uh, fourteen ninety five for twelve ounces of soup. Manhattan. This is the soup, the chicken gumbo soup. Manhattan prices. No, it's just five, twelve ounces of soup. That's like a cup of soup. Yeah, how much? Five bucks. Okay, that's a good deal. Fourteen ninety five. Yeah, it's not a lot. I mean, I don't know what's going on in L.A., but that's not a lot of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How much is soup and half a sandwich? <laughs> well, you go to Jerry's Deli. It's expensive. It's twelve bucks. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to think of the least appetite, like because remember we're doing. We initially said we were doing the uh, finale live from Mendy's <laughs> without their permission. But now I think we're doing it in George's in Melbourne, right? Or Sydney. I don't know. The I think so. One or the other. Now we're going to go. We're going to go maybe from Louise's house in Australia yeah. or something. We're going Kenny to, Rogers Roasters is closed, right? 
Yeah, and I think that George's will probably be closed by the time we get it to the finale <laughs> in the summer. You have no faith. All right. So we end up with the waiter coming by. And so after Banya says, you got to have the swordfish. It's the best swordfish in the city, Jerry, the best. Jerry has the salmon. And then Banya says, you know what? I'm just going to have the soup. He's going to save the meal for another time. And Jerry, from the moment this happens, is incredulous. And this is really like if you go out with someone and they don't really order food, even if it has nothing to do with the fact that, like, you know, you order them, you promise them a meal and you're going to need to give them another meal. Like, it's really annoying. I don't know if you've ever had this. Like, you go out, you feel like a pig when you're eating and the other person's not really eating. I don't have that many other meals with other people to begin with, let alone meals out with other people. So I have not had this happen to me often. But it was Banya who called up Jerry out of the blue and said, let's do the dinner tonight. Right. I mean, what happened? Did did it take too long? And then he, you know, just went to a hot dog stand on the street and scarfed one down? I don't know. It just seems like, well, maybe it's because, you know, he's working out so much that I think that that's the thing, the low blood sugar in this episode, just like Kramer's girlfriend, that you have to eat when you get hungry. You got to feed the machine. I mean, it is possible. So. It is possible. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, what a rat move by Banya. Yeah. All right. In another episode, he'd be a monster. But here he's just overshadowed by Simon. So now when Banya says he's going to have the soup, he doesn't really say, we find out later it's going to be a consomme. He doesn't order the soup. He just talks about he's going to have the soup. And mm-hmm. so soup's not a meal. Not a meal. Soup is not a meal. Yes, that's Banya's argument. I think we're both in agreement. No matter what soup, it's not a meal. Do we both agree on this? Well, I think that's an interesting debate. Is a meal, if we sit down together and you have a piece of salmon or I have a piece of salmon and you have soup, did we have a meal together? I would say yes. Yeah, oh, no, we did, for sure. Yes. So, I mean, even if Banya orders nothing, we had a meal together. Right. Because I, he invited you to the restaurant. Yeah. That, right. The, the soup isn't a meal, but the fact that he sat at a restaurant, and also Jerry's paying for it, right? So mm-hmm. the fact that Banya ordered a soup is negligible. It's a few dollars in, you know, over, over what the you know, pastrami sandwich would have been that he ordered right. that. Meal is not food dependent. And Jerry's ordering the salmon. So Jerry's already shelling out, you know, 20 bucks for his salmon and, you know, and then plus the five bucks for Banya soup or whatever. So the fact that he, you know, it's 25 instead of 30 is really irrelevant to Banya's point. Yeah. Meal is the act, not food dependent. So Banya, he says he doesn't want anything but soup. And Jerry is insisting that's the meal. And Banya says because he had the hot dog. And Jerry, again, very upset about the whole thing. Who told you had the hot dog? Yeah, one hot dog should not fill you up for dinner. I don't know about Banya. Yeah. Maybe he's watching his weight. Unless it made him sick. Unless it was like one of these street dogs that wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. It was like nauseous. Okay, so now we see Jerry with Elaine talking about this whole thing. And they're sort of outside. Are they outside Elaine's apartment? I don't really understand yeah. where they are. Yeah, this here. is sort of like, uh, you know, the street set that we've talked about that they have use of this year. It's like, hey, we haven't used it in a while. So let's use it, even though this is clearly not canonically outside <laughs> Elaine's apartment. There's like a random stoop. Yeah. So they're waiting. And so Elaine is really getting into it about the soup. And Elaine seems to be taking Banya's side. She says that it is not a hearty soup, then it's not a meal. If he had gotten chicken gumbo or matzo ball or mushroom barley, I'd agree with you. But those are hearty soups. Yeah. I mean, right. There's nothing really in the consomme. Uh, I don't want to spoil where it ends up, but it's not number one, let's just say. And uh, yeah, but the, right. The other ones, you can make a soup into a big meal or you could mm-hmm. be a pig like me and have three bowls of soup. Would you classify matzo ball as a hearty soup? 
I, I have so much to say about matzo ball soup later that I'd be stuck. Okay, I don't want to spoil the take. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And so I, I literally had like a half hour. Like when I was making this list, Rob, mm-hmm. like I went back and forth with some real soup connoisseurs, just like because there's so many different types of, uh, you know, chicken soups and this and, you know, way. So there, there's a lot to be said. And, I, you know, I don't want to. But okay. yeah, I, right. I don't even mushroom barley is not that there's not that much so. going on in it. Right. I think that a cream soup would be how I would describe a hearty right. yeah, soup. Yeah, that's very thick. Right. Thickness, I think, is really what it comes down to for how hearty a soup is. But anyway, we find out that there were crackers that got crumbled in the soup, and it was a bowl, not just a cup. So, right. The cup of soup, you could at least say he's basically having a snack. That's a snack. The bowl is, you know, it costs more money. There's probably two sizes of the soup. He asked for the bigger soup. That's, you know, and, and then the crackers or croutons or something into it. You are turning it into a meal for a person who doesn't like to eat a lot. Okay. So here's Simon, and he has gone through Elaine's wallet. She only had $6. Uh, and then Jerry ends up giving him a 20 I feel like it was very out of character for Jerry to just give a $20 bill to Simon. Yeah, but Simon's so slimy, he probably just paid him to go away, essentially. Yeah, yeah just go away. All right. And so he's off. He's just visiting, and he's going to go and hang out and go wherever. It's very unclear what he's doing. Yeah. All right. So we're back at Monk's. And now, so Jerry and George are talking. And now here comes Kelly, the waitress. And things have gotten awkward. Yeah. There's a lot of tension now between George and Kelly. Right. And she's very short with him. It's almost like a conversation between uh, me and my wife at dinner. And she's sort of just like very short and really just like takes their order. And he's like, trying to get the flirtation back and she's just not having it shutting it down yeah not even, no eye contact you know there's something wrong and if you ask you're gonna in, be in for a whole spiel mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so banya comes back banya is at monks like every five seconds now yeah only in this episode <laughs> only in this episode and so there's a funny moment where george and jerry say quick let's slide out so he can't sit in the booth yeah that is funny and it's such a it's such a high school thing right mm-hmm. or not even high school like fourth grade yeah. And Banya ends up asking George if he could slide over. So he wants to get in there. All right. So Banya is asking with Jerry, has he worn the suit yet? Yeah. And I don't know how many occasions, like if Jerry doesn't do stand up in a suit and I don't think he does. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe he does. I don't even pay attention. But the, um, you know, how often is Jerry wearing a suit when he goes to a wedding, a funeral? I don't know. But Jerry tells Banya, yeah, I slept in it last night, which was the equivalent of saying that every person that works at a diner knows each other. Right. I think right. But the thing is, Banya is a comedian, but also has no sense of humor. So <laughs> that goes right past him. Yeah. When Banya's like, what? What do you mean? And Jerry's like, I'm joking. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> anyway, so he wants to sit down. And so the waitress comes over. So Banya is going to order. He wants to know what kind of soup do you have? Jerry's like, come on, why don't you get a sandwich? And so fine, Banya will have the tomato soup and tuna on toast. And Jerry's like, all right, fine. This is it now. This is our meal. Definitely a meal. Okay. So Banya is trying to argue, no, this isn't a meal because he wanted the meal to be in a nice restaurant like Mendy's. This is a coffee shop. So that shouldn't count as a meal. I mean, he's sitting down and order like he's never heard of a business lunch. Right. This does not hold any sort of water that this isn't a meal, Banya. No, Banya doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> right. Okay. So Banya says uh, this is a bad deal. This is, uh, you know, a soup and a sandwich for a brand new Armani suit. What kind of gesture is that? And George is like, I, I really don't feel comfortable uh, getting involved with this. 
Yeah, good job by George staying out of here. <laughs> staying out of it. Okay, so Kramer ends up coming by, and he ends up telling George, hey, that girl Kelly, she doesn't have a boyfriend. Hildy uh, clearly knows everyone who works at Monks very well and knew immediately no boyfriend. Okay. No way that she could be lying speaks to her every night. All right, so Elaine is back at Jerry's apartment, and they're waiting on Simon, who is going to come up with some beer. He's sort of just like walking around, uh, just like day drinking, like a six-pack around the city. Yeah, do you think Simon had a job in England? Like, it's amazing that he was so free just to go on this open-ended ticket. <laughs> and, and no hurry to go back. No hurry. Yeah. So he comes in, and then he kisses Elaine, like, flat on the mouth. Yeah, yeah, against <laughs> her will. Right. And so uh, Jerry wants to know, when is he leaving? And Elaine says that he's going to probably leave in two days, but he's hinting that he wants to stay, but he has no money and no prospects, so he's going to definitely be gone. And so we end up with now Jerry getting mad at Vanya over the whole thing with the suit and the meal. So Jerry gives the suit to Simon. I feel like this was a real jerk move on Jerry's part to just give the, instead of just saying, Vanya, here, you know what? Take the suit back. Yeah, I mean, you, you think he should have just given him the suit back at this yeah, point? Yeah, I mean, I think that that was a real big jerk move to say, okay, Vanya, you know what? I just gave the suit to another person. I don't want to hear you anymore. Right. But to me, his at the beginning, Banya was a nuisance that he's trying to avoid. But he has a Banya has a full heel turn in this episode where he basically becomes like a bad guy when he's insisting two times in a row that this was not a meal. Now he's turned over where he's the enemy to Jerry. And that's why Jerry's doing this. Right. But in the real world, it's like, OK, you know what? Thank you, sir. Uh, you know, we don't want your business anymore. Here is your money back. You know, it's you don't just say like, OK, you know, I'm unhappy with the service. So I'm going to, you know, take the money that that you gave me and just like, you know, that's it. We're not I'm not dealing with you anymore. We don't negotiate with terrorists. I think you just have to refund the suit to him and end the transaction. Uh, yeah, I agree, but that's not that's not how the gang rolls. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Kramer enters, and he's making some small talk. Jerry can tell right away something's going on with Kramer. He's looking for food to feed to Hildy. Hildy is very hungry, and apparently she's not allowed to go out of the house and go to a restaurant with Kramer. I don't really know. He ends up. What's his restaurant rule? He can't go to restaurants, right? As part of his fresh food. I think it depends how the food is prepared at the restaurant. Can't he just sit there with Hildy? She doesn't have the same you know restriction as him. I guess so, but I think it would come down to where can he eat at that the food is prepared that quickly. I think that eating something that was in the refrigerator at Monk's or Reggie's is no different than him having a refrigerator himself. That's true. Yeah, but I mean, they wouldn't they have like a farm to table restaurant now. I'm not sure if they would have a lot of them back then. No, that would have been a better idea to get involved with instead of make your own pizza with Poppy. Like a farm to table restaurant 10 years before anyone was interested. That's not a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So he ends up taking a bunch of stuff. Did you identify any of the food items he took for Hildy? I, it looked like bread and like meat at the same time. I was wondering that, but I didn't like. It was like some it. sort of like almost like a deli counter, yeah. like thing of bologna. It, was it like, did. It did. It looked like, ooh, American salami, you mean? Yeah, American salami. Returns. All right. um, yeah, I, I think it was. It did look deli-ish, but there's also some bread in there. I'm not sure. All right, so George doesn't want to go into Monk's. He is taking Jerry and Elaine to Reggie's, and they're going to get a firsthand look of what life is like over at Reggie's. This whole episode is essentially a love letter to Monk's. Yeah, they didn't know how good they had it. No, they didn't. So we also find out from Elaine that Simon picked up another woman right in front of her. 
Yeah, and we see more in the deleted scene about, which makes much more sense in the deleted scene, how it was the suit that brought the lady to Simon. Yeah. That, which makes sense. Like, the suit keeps bringing people in to Simon and screwing over Elaine. And then Elaine says, oh, like, why why'd you take the suit anyway? Just because you wanted a meal? Well, who? Simon? Like, yeah. No, she says to Jerry, basically. Yeah. Like, you wanted to have a meal. With, like, she says the opposite to him, basically. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the, the deleted scenes... While they're not especially funny, do make a lot of sense in this yeah. episode. Well, I really do like the deleted scene about when they're here at Reggie's because we end up finding out all the problems with Reggie's where Jerry is trying to order an omelet or an egg white omelet. It says on the menu, literally no egg white omelets are made there. Now, there are no big salads either. We will find out that Elaine tries to order the big salad. They tell her, Hildy tells her, we could give you two small salads. Uh, there is no brewed decaf at Reggie's. You have to have only Sanka. Only Sanka. Uh, it doesn't, I mean, they, Reggie's is pretty unappetizing. They should have walked straight out. Yeah. So the scene I really like in the deleted scenes is, so George ends up going up to the manager. And George is really trying to make it work at Reggie's. And it, this is in the deleted scene. He says to the manager, he said, look, me and my friends, we never eat one meal in our house. He says, that man right there, the only thing that he can prepare for himself is cereal. You are sitting on a gold mine here with the three of us. So we need you to make some accommodations for us here because we will be in here all the time. And basically he tells him like to go F himself. Like uh, we don't see it, but he comes back and he says, nope, they won't, they won't play ball with us. Yeah, it is a funny scene. It's I guess it's probably long and it didn't really mean anything. So yeah. they take it out. But it, but it is true. And I think like the reason why this restaurant is terrible is probably all, you know related to the fact that the owner is a jerk who won't bend the rules at all. Right. But I do like that they sort of like call out the meta-ness of that these yes. people do not. George yes. says to the guy, I don't even own silverware. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're in we a diner. We literally go out for breakfast. Right. We don't cook any food for ourselves. We need a new diner. This will be so much business for you. We also see in the deleted scenes that Kramer is continuing to call up for Hildy and the manager yells about how I will fire you if I see this one more time that Kramer is on the phone. We don't really know why Kramer is calling Hildy at work yeah. so much. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. <laughs> Makes no sense. I mean, Kramer comes off as pretty needy that he's got to be calling Hildy every five seconds. Yeah, and it's possible she said, like, you need to call me every hour or I'm going to have to leave and come get you. And also, uh, it's not like Hildy has a lot of customers to serve, so she probably got in the habit of just speaking to Kramer because she's bored. Yeah. So we end up back at the apartment. George and Jerry are talking. So we talk about how they need to go back to Monks very badly. And maybe they need to get Kelly fired. And George is very good at getting himself fired. Can he apply the same principles that work in getting him fired to getting Kelly fired from Monks? It is kind of a brilliant plan, to be honest. <laughs> it's a very brilliant plan. Now, here comes Kramer. And he has apparently eaten Jerry completely out of house and home. I don't really understand why Jerry has no groceries in the house, like where everything is gone. Yeah, I, I mean, do you ever think like Jerry is essentially like this is his posse and he's essentially supporting all of them? Like <laughs> Elaine has a loser boyfriend. Jerry gives her twenty dollars to go away. <laughs> you know, Jerry's paying for everything. He's giving away a suit. Right. He's, you know, he's buying these meals. He's basically he's basically like the leader of this gang. And he's just, you know, is it a he, gang or is it more of like an entourage? Not a gang. Not literally like a gang of four. But he's. But but he you know he's he's thrown money in the face of any problem he can. Yeah, so he's sort of like the leader of the entourage, and they're all sort of like his hanger-ons, and they're gonna make him go broke. Who is E in this scenario? <laughs> Obviously, Jerry is 
Jerry is Vinny. <laughs> Jerry's Vinny. I, I think it, George way, their is E. Ability, their acting abilities are pretty similar. Jerry and Vinny. Yeah. I think, well, it really comes down to, so Kramer is Turtle. That's the easy one. So e. is Elaine, 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 is she E or it. is it George? No, because George has, George has to be Johnny Drama. George has to be Johnny Drama? Why? Wait, did you say Kramer's Johnny Drama? Kramer is Turtle, I think. Kramer's Turtle. George has to be Johnny Drama. Elaine Why? is E because E is the second most sane person and Elaine is clearly the second most sane person. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. And then also she has relationships. Although then, would, I mean, would Susan be like the Sloan? I think you could argue that George could be the Oh, e. I didn't make it that far in the entourage, Rob. Yeah. I don't know who's Okay, well then. All right, let me get somebody <laughs> no, I, on I, here. It's the girl, that's E's girlfriend, but I don't know. Right. I don't know. I think that's a fair question. Who's who? <laughs> Gonna I mean, this. they'll probably also, like, a few years from now, come out with a movie, Seinfeld, that will be robbed of the Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Sure. Just like Entourage was. Yeah. All right. So we find out that Hildy has been fired because Kramer was calling too many times. They don't even have to talk this plan through. George is just like, I'm on it. <laughs> like, dialing the phone to try to get Kelly fired. Okay. So we end up back at the diner. We see that Jerry is getting his egg white omelet, that Elaine is getting her big salad, finally. And best of all, Simon is going to go home and <laughs> Jerry calls him a real bounder. What is a bounder? I have no idea. I should have Googled it. I should have known you were going to ask, but it, it may have been a 90s term that no one has used in 20 years. That's my guess. Mm, okay. So we see the manager at Monk's and he is getting pissed because Kelly's boyfriend, quote unquote, keeps calling up and he yells at Kelly like, hey, tell your boyfriend to stop calling here. Kelly says, that's not my boyfriend. It's that bald guy with the glasses who's always there with those two. He's trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> it's, you know, it was such a great plan. But then in practice, it's a small restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And she only has one guy who, you know, who's always there, who she dated. Mm-hmm. That is pretty uh, the opposite of foolproof. Like, <laughs> they, they should have had a lane call and pretend to be like her sister or something constantly. Right, right. And hang up. Easy to trace like it was too easy there. to trace it to them. That's not ultimately the plan didn't really uh, make sense. Okay, so now the manager comes over and he says, "Hey, tell your friend that I have a message for him. I'm going to turn him into my own personal hand puppet." Now again, there is no sort of resolution to this. That George is just at monks in the next episode, right? Without ever like this coming up again. Yeah, it does not come up. You know, <laughs> we see this guy. We've seen him, I think, once before. Yeah, the manager. Yes. Uh, and we do see him a few more times. Uh, we don't learn too much about him. but We do see him like three or four more times throughout the series. But I don't believe it ever comes up again. OK. All right. So Banya comes in. He's back here in the restaurant. We find out that Banya is going to be taking out Kelly in the deleted scenes. But Banya is like, yeah, I was smart enough to know that she's not going to be working here anymore and kelly ends up telling us that friday is her last day because her stuff is going into bloomingdale's so banya was smart enough that to uh not uh sleep what, what's the expression the eat where eat where you poop is that what it is yeah but it, yeah basically <laughs> so banya is smart enough to know about this but he knows a lot about different places that you would like to eat preferably yeah he knows every restaurant in the city <laughs> okay so then, well, maybe, I mean, if he thinks Mandy's is the best, he actually may maybe he's only been to like two restaurants. <laughs> he's heard. Okay, so we also see Simon coming through in the suit, and so uh, we find out that well, he is going to give the keys back to Elaine, and he's got this job interview, and he's got so much going on now. I mean, do you think Simon's a murderer? 
<laughs> it could be. You know, he does seem like one of these people like uh, that he seems so dapper, but it turned out he was hiding a dark past. Right. But he, does, he doesn't even put on a show once he gets to, to New York. It's like he probably had the charm on in England, mm-hmm. which is a whole other thing. Like, you know, the whole trip to England that we don't know about, like, why did it happen? But the, you know, he, he puts on the show and then the second he gets there, he's like, oh, she's stuck with me and becomes this monster. And mm-hmm. uh, who would we say was the worst person who had the who took the crown away see this is where i was saying like i don't remember these things and you usually Let, do. ask the computer who's the worst person falconer get on this <laughs> don't rest on your laurels from last week sean send out the falcon symbol uh, I, by the way if we got all the worst people because i know we've had the, like uh you know we had first we had chickless then we had the lady yeah the lady from, from, from the shower. shower yeah uh and i forget who we said was the worst person but he is really He's hard to there. beat we don't know that much about him, but we don't know a single positive thing about him. Yeah. All right. So we find out that he's going to go off to this job interview. And so Elaine sort of calls out to Banya, hey, you want your suit back? That guy's got it. Uh, yeah, which is sort of like a funny thing, everything tying together. And uh, to me, Simon, who's probably murdered a lot of people before, mm-hmm. can easily take Banya. But I don't know. We don't know exactly how the fight goes. Well, I assume no matter out. who wins, the suit gets ruined. What, I mean, what do you think happens? You think that Banya just goes and starts like trying to rip the suit off the guy until he's just like uh, sort of like in his shirt and underwear in the middle of the street? I mean, we've got two crazy people. So I think he probably asks for it back once. The guy, Simon, says no. And then he starts tearing it off him and it probably rips and then no one can have it. Oh, my God. Real King Solomon moment with the suit. That's right. Okay. All right. And then in the post credit scene, we end up seeing George in a scene with no dialogue eating alone at Reggie's. Which is really good. Like, I like that they didn't have to go for some joke that had nothing to do with anything. I like the fact they end on this very subtle thing that they've never done before. Yeah. Uh, it's ruined a little bit by the fact that they have no resolution to this issue. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And also, th- I, I think this episode was filmed before the mom and pop store. It just it it, uh, it, it aired beforehand, but it was filmed afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, like, it is a little tricky because you go to Monk's in the mom and pop store and it's like, you know, it's happening after. It doesn't really doesn't work so they may have just like eh, let's forget about it okay all right so there's a funny moment there also where george ends up trying to take the pepper out of like the sort of holder and ends up like flying across the room so uh there you go that's the soup uh yeah that was a fun episode fun episode all right let's talk through everything put a bow on this crumble up some crackers and then we'll get into akiva's soup rankings all right let's talk about things that would not hold up i think a big one is in terms of calling the waitress, every waitress is going to have her cell phone. She's not getting work phone calls anymore. No, you'd get fired for getting one work phone call now, yeah. probably. Hildy would not be fired from Reggie's. Uh, maybe for something else. Maybe for something Reggie's. else. Maybe eating everything inside at Reggie's. Maybe that's the problem. When her you blood think that's why they don't have a big salad? She ate all the big salads. <laughs> I don't know. They don't even have a big bowl. I think that's the biggest problem. At yeah, that's true. Is she just eating like straight out of the container? Is there still Sanka? <laughs> I, I feel like I've heard of it, so there has to be. I don't know if it's... I, it's, I bet its market share has dipped considerably, but I think it still exists. I mean, uh, we are living in peak coffee world, right? I mean, if yes. anybody's drinking oh, no Sanka. Question. It is weird to think that like Starbucks was was not even like a thing when this episode is airing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like, it I, I think it thing. existed, yeah. but just in Seattle, maybe? I'm not sure. Right. No, I think that actually getting coffee, you had to go into one of these coffee shops. That's what they call it's it. True. Yeah, it's true. You had to have a whole meal around the coffee. There was unless you like <laughs> got right. it like on a cart somewhere. Right. I was going to get a, and the coffee then was 50 cents because there was no like fancy Starbucks coffee. Mm-hmm. So it's like you end up spending $12 to get your 50 cent coffee. 
Right. Yeah, you have to have a piece of pie or cake or something like that. So Starbucks really Salmon. changed the game. Right. <laughs> I think you can still get the Sanka packets on Amazon. Uh, Sanka packets on Amazon. 100 count pack, Akiva. How much? Sanka? 4 dollars No. Eighteen oh four. Yeah, I guess that's that's four ninety nine is ridiculous. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We were both on the exact opposite ends of the spectrum with our guessing in this uh, podcast. Yeah, we're bad. At, we, but I don't know. Like I, I hope you're not invited to the prices right anytime soon. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> sure either of our games are, are on point. Hey, I could be in the mix. W- wouldn't they have called you by now? You'd think so. Look at that trying to call me at work like Hildy. Okay. So then anything else that does not translate. Uh frequent flyer miles, harder to come by or less hard to come by for a lane in two thousand sixteen. They're easier to come by, but you could buy them on online easily. Oh, I think that they have much less value though. I feel like that. They have much less value. Yeah, there's a lot of restrictions and stuff. Like I do feel like it was more of a thing in nineteen ninety four. Like, yeah, all these miles I'm not using, where now it's like no, your miles expire. Right. Plus they have like value they have like a a literal monetary value attached to them now. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you could, you know, find out what every mile is worth and, you know, because you could sell them and buy them for a very specific amount of money. Right. Now I think the airlines are like, yeah, we're hemorrhaging money on these frequent flyer plants. <laughs> we really blew it. Right. It's like they have the, like the, they, they sold some of those like forever tickets, American Airlines, like Willie Mays has one, you know, yeah. where you could just for like $200,000, you could fly for free forever. And mm-hmm. now they like try and catch the people who, who, uh, you know, have someone else fly in their stead and take it away from them. Yeah. So, yeah, they're really cracking down. Airlines are like are like cars. There's like a very, you know, there's a slight profit on each person. So they're really strict. Okay. And then I think everything else checks out in terms of the George story and what's going on with Jerry. So that's all good. What about letter grades? Let's go through it. Okay. Jerry with Banya, the swordfish, the meal. It's got to be an A, right? Yeah. A classic story. Very funny. Uh, brings up, uh, you know, a lot of discussion about what is a meal. Truly yeah. an important moment in American history. Jerry has such disdain when he's talking with Banya about the meal, both at Mendy's and at Monk's. So all around uh, an A for Jerry. What about George with Kelly? I mean, the idea that she's faking is funny. Uh, you know, the, the, George having to go to Reggie's is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the most fully formed for like this number two plot in the series, but I, in, the, in the episode, but I'll give it a B plus. I feel like the most memorable thing for George here is Ma Newer. Yeah, the manure, if you were going to describe, like, George's plotline to someone who hadn't seen the episode in a while, I think you, you'd say that, yeah. Right. There's nothing bad for George. Right. And I remember that he said it, but I didn't remember the context in which it causes a woman to break up with him because he's talking about that. Right. Okay. Elaine with Simon. I, you know, it's... Elaine, it's Elaine, not, Elaine. It's not funny. Nope. Per se. But the, he's so he's so terrible that I don't hate it as much as, like... <laughs> When someone's like somewhat bad, I kind of hate them in the show, but he's so bad. I, I, I almost admire the show for almost going for it. They didn't nail the landing, but they did something with her. I just don't like that this guy, I mean, he doesn't even have a character trait. He just has gall, this guy. Right. I mean, it's, it's true. Just it's a good like, point. Really? What's his motivation? Really? Yeah. I mean, he does not have a character trait other than he's just like a total a-hole. He's moocher. He's like, he's like, the, he's like the, the bad guy version of Kato Kalin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not feeling this Elaine story. I'll give it a, a C minus and I'm in a good mood. Uh, I give it a B. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any problems with it. All right. And then what about the Kramer storyline with that he's getting rid of his refrigerator and he's going to date Hildy? Uh, yeah, almost incomplete. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, I feel like- I, it's almost the first time I can't even give a grade. There's, <laughs> there's just not enough meat on the bone there. All right. So you can't give a grade for Kramer here, but what about a number ranking for this episode? Yeah, I mean, to me, I laughed a lot of times during this episode. I think it's an above average episode in terms of how funny it is. Uh, the, the Kramer storyline doesn't really take away from the plot too much. It's not great. Um, but so to me, it's a slightly above average episode and I have it, uh, up at number 64. Boom. My favorite part of the whole episode is just going to see Reggie's. I love the idea of Reggie's and I love that we've established the bizarro diner, which is going to be a big plot point in a lot of episodes. Well, it's the bizarre, it it is the most prominently actually in the bizarro Jerry, right? I think we only see it one time between then and now. Right, but uh, I just love it, that, and it really has, you know, stuck with me very much about, uh, you know, Reggie's is the opposite, the antithesis of Monks. Okay. Akiva, we hyped it up the whole episode. So many people have skipped to this point from the, when we first mentioned it in the beginning of the episode. Let's talk soup rankings. All right, let's talk. Let's talk soup. All right. How'd you come up with your soup rankings? Uh, I'd say a lifetime of eating soup at every possible opportunity yes what is it about soup what appeals to you about the idea i'm not even i'm not even sure it's like it's like how did you pick your wife it's like i just saw it and i knew that was the one i'm not talking about me that would be gross whatever Mm -hmm. but like the the uh you know what i mean it's to me i just love soup i i could eat soup three times a day what appeals to you about is it that it's hot yeah i like hot food i feel like it's not a meal to me but like you know, my wife, I work from home, so my wife will, like, make me pasta. But to me, like, just having a plate of pasta, it's good, but I need, like, a, something, you know, a little bit more. On the side. And then if I'm having, like, a sandwich also, then I'm, like, being a pig and the meal is a little too big. Mm-hmm. But if you have a soup, you know, you have you – have soup can sort of complete any meal. Okay. How do you normally get your soup? Does your wife make you soup? Are you having canned soup? No, I don't really – I mean, I would eat canned soup, but she makes soup. Like, I, I really push the soup hard to the point where, like, it's my, my two-year-old son's favorite food. Wow. Like he asks for soup all day. Uh, really? Outside, of like, outside of, like, candy and stuff. Yeah. Um, but so I try, you know, I'm, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't have it more than, I'd say I have soup four times a week. But if it was up to me, it would be, like, 12 to 14. 12 to 14 times a week. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, a lot of sodium. <laughs> a lot of sodium. All right. So just talk me through the rankings real quick. Did you have a number one and then everything else sort of just fell into line? Or was this a lot of time spent agonizing over what the number one was going to be? It is a lot of time because as you'll see, and we could maybe discuss, you know, a little bit after, like some of there is overlap between certain soups. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you get into combinations of soups, it could be infinite. So I tried to go as bare bones as possible for most of the soups. Well, ideally, you would not want to have bones in the soup. That's no, no bare bones. But, but you know, it's, I, it really started with which ones are the worst. Okay. And I, I almost worked up from there. Okay. And are you including, like, different variations of, like, chicken rice, chicken noodle, chicken, like... To a degree. I don't okay. want to spoil everything. But, yeah, I, 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 barley. I, sort of, I had to... And I also wanted to make a 25. So, you know, there had to be cuts. There's nothing corn-based in here. I don't like that. That would have been... Uh, you know, not in the top 25, but if I needed to make 30, I would have had something like that. I may have expanded. There's no chicken rice, but you could put rice in a chicken soup and that might improve it or make it worse, depending on your point of view. All right, Akiva, I turn the stage over to you and your rankings. And I also think that, um, you know, if I basically think of it like this, if I was on death row 
mm-hmm. right? I was framed for the murder of another podcaster or something, right? By a third podcaster. I don't know why. I you'd have I, it, it's unlikely, but if I was on death row, they're like, what soup would I want to have most, and then work you know work up or down from there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so number twenty five. We don't have the serial music going. <laughs> we do not. <laughs> okay, number twenty five. Cold strawberry soup or any sort of fruit soup. Wow. Shocker. The worst. Why? You like fruit soup? Oh, no. I just thought that it wouldn't have even made the top 25. I would feel like that the worst soup that you hate the most would not have qualified for the top I mean, I, like if you threw pieces of garbage in a soup, that would be worse than this. Probably It would be the same. But uh, to me, it's like I need to have this on as the example of what the worst soup is. Okay. If, 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 I'm, if I'm never served a soup, something like corn or cream of whatever – you know, then it doesn't even make the list. It has to be like things that are presented to me. Why are you so anti-corn? I really is hate that corn. dietary that, or is that no, kosher? I, just, or is other that... Than, I like corn on the cob, but I hate corn in anything. Okay. I'm not sure. All right. Uh, number 24, gazpacho, which okay. is uh, which is like a cold tomato yeah, based. We're knocking soup. out terrible. the cold soups. Yeah, not, the cold soups are, are gone. So are now, these rankings based on temperature? <laughs> yes, it goes directly <laughs> proportionally. Number one is just fire soup. Lava. <laughs> yes, it's soup that's on fire. Um, 23, I, I, it's only even in here because it's in this episode, but consomme, essentially nothing. Yeah. So gazpacho and cold strawberry soup are worse than just liquid. Whereas everything, this is the VORP. It's like VORP, value over replacement consomme. Okay. Yeah, I have to Google consomme and even just look at it. It looks like it's just broth. It's basically just broth. So the, okay, to me, well that's... Then, <laughs> I have to say that maybe I might side back with Banya when I see that the soup was just broth. I thought it was like he could have. It's probably the same price. Like it's he could have ordered. He could have ordered the chicken jumbo or gumbo, whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, twenty-two butternut squash soup. Okay. Doesn't really do anything for me. No. Uh, twenty-one miso. Okay. You know, it sounds good. You order it in the restaurant. And you're like, oh, this was a big waste of my time. I don't think you ever order it. I mean, I feel like they just give yeah, they it give to it, you. You know what I mean? You get it. And it's like, oh, right. I filled up on miso before this restaurant. Oh, I don't think, <laughs> you know, it's fine to me. It's like, oh, here's like a free thing that they put in front of you. And sometimes it's in a small quantity. One of the things uh, that can save any soup is with the right croutons or I like to throw bread or like hollow bread in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can really, you know, or, or you know, crumb, you put crackers in. That can really save a mediocre soup. Yeah. Especially number 20, tomato soup, which I don't like. But if I stuff it with enough things, it can be tolerable for me. People like to pair that with a grilled cheese. Yeah, people like the tomato soup. If, we're at the point where, like, after this, where anything you order past this, I like. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't I, – tomato soup, to me, it's just the wrong sort of uh, texture. Yeah, and you all have I'm already been on the record – that you would not want to eat either tomato or lettuce on a sandwich. So I feel like the tomato soup would not speak to you. The only tomato thing I like is is like uh, tomato sauce and pizza. Okay. Uh, number 19, navy bean or any type of bean soup. <laughs> I like a, I like a, this is the type of thing where if it's bad, it's like completely irrelevant. But if it's good, uh, it's a really solid underrated soup. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number 18, a soup I really probably have less than anything else on this list, but beef. You just put some, like, meat in the soup, and, and beef soup is uh, – it's not the best combination, but right. can be done well. Beef soup or beef stew? Uh, you can have both. I mean, to me, beef stew is not a soup. It's what a is a soup is a, is, a, is a question for another day. But, okay. I, you sure. know, I, I, already, I already said I decided that, that bisques and chowders are not soups for the purpose of this exercise got it which is the closest i'm getting to exercise <laughs> um 
Uh, number 17, hot and sour. It's, hot it and sounds sour better. soup. <laughs> yeah, you order it and you're like, ooh, hot and sour. And then you get them like, yeah, after a few bites. You know, a lot of the, the above soups is like, I'm going to have, you know, finish it and want doubles. Hot and sour, I never finish. Okay. There's a lot of cream soups. But for number 16, I have cream of broccoli, which uh, maybe is a little high now that I say it. But uh, it also can be done well, but it can be gross under the wrong, uh, you know, the wrong chef's hands. Sure. And then number 15, I have no idea how this made it to number 15, but it, I think it's nostalgia. And my kids, you know, they would like something like this. Alphabet soup. Alf- <laughs> now, that's I still like a al- thing, alphabet soup. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, I would probably, I'm, I'm probably had my last bowl of alphabet soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, like if I like died or something this week, that would be like a very ominous statement. <laughs> Kiva was planning to eat alphabet soup on Friday and Thursdays. <laughs> That'll be the memorial to you. We'll spell yeah. out a Kiva or Kiev in alphabet oh, soup. That's right, in the soup. Yeah. That'll be that. We'll share that picture on like Instagram. That'll be like the uh, That's right. memorial. That's right. Um, number fourteen, egg drop soup. Okay. Um, I, it's good. It's good. It, <laughs> it, it's a soup that that needs uh, a crouton or something in it. <laughs> on its own, it's not great, but with the right thing, it can really come together. I feel like number it's 13. the best of the free soups that come with Chinese food. Yeah, that's right. Well, you go to some nice restaurants that give. Well, they sometimes they give you like, oh, you get like a. What is it like a dinner special or a lunch special? And it's like, okay, oh, what do you want? Egg drop or a hot and sour soup? Right. Like it's like yes. the best of soups that a Chinese restaurant is willing to give you just for free. It's true. It's true. Uh, okay. Number 13, I have ramen noodle or instant soup. <laughs> it's a throwback to like high school or whatever when I didn't know how to cook if my parents weren't home or something. I did love heating up. You know, there's like 8,000 grams of MSG, which supposedly is good for you now. And, uh, it's so unhealthy, but it, you know that whatever they pack it with is, is worth is worth it. Wow, what a what a shocker! Ramen, yeah, ramen noodle, noodle soup, man, and make twelve on the list. Yeah, well, that was thirteen, I think. Okay, uh, number twelve, cream of mushroom. Uh, cream of mushroom is great, also for like if you're having like tuna casserole. You ever have tuna casserole? Not really, no. Okay, but it, it, like it's a good thing to put in as a base. I don't I don't know anything about cooking, so mm-hmm. I'm saying nonsense words now. But like as a base for. Uh, other foods, but on its own, it also can be really good. I'll take your word for o- it. Eleven. This is the biggest variance of any soup here. Vegetable soup. Okay. <laughs> a bad vegetable soup could be the worst. Also, sometimes they clog it with like too many vegetables, and like you can't even find the liquid, and it's a mess. And a lot of times, it's like there's like a thing of celery that you could barely see in there. Yeah. I'm kind of like, what's the point on the vegetable soup? Yeah, that's why it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But uh, but a, a good vegetable soup can really be. All right, now we're getting to the the heavy hitters. Here. Yeah. Would you call that a minestrone? What, what's the difference between a vegetable soup and a minestrone? Oh, there's like beans in a minestrone. Okay. I don't know if it's strone or strone. I always called it strone. You mm-hmm. could be right. Uh, number 10, mushroom barley. Mushroom barley. Okay. I'm no. out on barley, by the way. You're out? Honestly, I like barley. Yeah. So you're not going to like my chalant. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of barley in the chalant. By the way, I got a bunch of emails and like Facebook messages. Yes. Now, people were very excited that you were talking about Chalt and Kishka. I guess so. <laughs> they were very excited. They're Pumped like, up. I never, someone's like, I never thought I'd hear, the, hear Rob talk about Chalt. It happened. It did happen. Um, okay, number nine, split pea. Again, you could have a bad split pea soup. It could be very thin, mm-hmm. and then it's literally like having water. But a really good one, uh, and, and you're really in the money. Yeah. Not appealing to me, the split pea soup. Yeah, it sounds like you don't like vegetables either. <laughs> I don't mind vegetables, but I feel like that just the uh, aesthetics of the split pea soup is not really exciting to me. Yeah, number eight, I have lentil. 
Yeah. And I really, you don't like it. I feel like I once, I used to go to like this, um, this restaurant in Manhattan. I'd get the lentil soup and it was so much going on in that soup and it was great. Okay. Uh, that place closed. But yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I think again, lentil is, uh, is underrated. Okay. Uh, number seven, I have minestrone. Okay. Which apparently you don't like or get the point no, of I think, either. I, I, I like it. Uh, I like it fine. You know, I, I feel like that as we're going through this, I think that things that are sort of basically like uh, some sort of like a chicken broth type soups. And then, uh, you know, the, that, that, I feel like that's almost like tomato adjacent uh, minestrone. So it's fine. Okay. Um, number six and five. So I, I made two soups for a family that could have one or 10, but number six, I have chicken noodle and number five, I have regular chicken soup. And okay. I, so if you're adding, if you're just adding noodles, to a good chicken soup, then I don't see how you're harming it in any way. You're only improving it if the noodles are good. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the noodles are like slimy or whatever. It doesn't always work. So your preference is just chicken soup and then six is Yeah, because, because I think more often than not, the noodles are kind of lousy. Mm-hmm. But in a perfect world, chicken noodle soup is only adding to the equation and not taking away. Yeah, that's my favorite. Like I could go to like a Jerry's Deli over here and I'll get like a takeout of like just like a quart of chicken soup. I feel like I yeah, it sounds it. like you need one right now, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> Goes back and forth. Okay. Uh, number four, uh, wonton soup. Oh, my yeah. favorite of the Chinese soups. Really, you couldn't go wrong. If you put it in number one, I wouldn't have any problem with it. That's great. Uh, but here's the thing. This is the only, one of the only things you get for free in the world. A lot of Chinese restaurants, they say, do you want the wonton or the egg drop? But because they're just like taking out of the same two pots, if you say wonton egg drop, they'll just give it to you for the same price or maybe a quarter more. Okay. So that's a little uh, little uh, hot tip out Pro there. Tip. For you. Yeah. Listen, in the soup, those of us in the soup game, we know all the tricks of the trade. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was that, number four? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, number three, this is probably the biggest shocker on the whole menu. But uh, potato soup. Oh, wow. Huge upset. My wife, I, I, I really, my, my kids would always ask for potato soup. We always have soup with Why? Friday night, the, the formal Friday night dinner. They, I don't know. They loved it. And then people like to uh, like torture me in life, my family. Okay. And they'll, like everyone's sort of trying to, uh, whatever I want, they want the opposite. Mm-hmm. So they know that I like, let's say, chicken soup for Friday night. So they will, they will like actively campaign the whole week for my wife to make potato soup. <laughs> so my kids are young. I'd always tell them, like, I whisper in their ear at night that, like, you hate potato soup. You love chicken soup. But um, what politics but, uh, going on with the soup at your house? There is a lot of soup politics. But to me, I've sort of I, I lost the war and I sort of came around. And now I really like potato soup. And again, it could probably be disastrous if you went to a, a restaurant that was just like offering it on the menu, but wasn't really putting the right care into it it would be horrendous Mm -hmm. but the ripe potato soup is unbelievable and it's probably the best soup for croutons okay because they slide it's very thick they slide in there all right top two number two french onion with cheese hmm so if you date if you don't have the cheese whatever i don't know what type of cheese parmesan i don't know what's the the standard type of cheese i want to say it's like a mozzarella maybe mozzarella you're right the, if you don't have the if you don't have the cheese, then it's really like a consomme almost. There's really nothing going on. Yeah. But the right soup with that really like cheesy whatever, mm-hmm. then you're really money. One thing I, I should add as an addendum: it doesn't really count because any soup could be like this. But my wife sometimes she'll go all out and she'll make like a a bread bowl soup. Yeah. Like the the bowl the soup the bowl the bread is the soup, and that's not a one particular type of soup, but 
you can't really go wrong with the Red Bull. Yeah. I would say that going back to your temperatures, I think that the heat is super important on this because once the cheese starts to not be melted, then I think you're in trouble with the French onion soup. Oh, yeah, yeah. You might actually have to throw it out. That might be like a day old soup. You're out. And then number one, and again, this is all semantics in terms of what's in there. But to me, number one, with, with, with no question, and it'll make sense after I explain it, is matzo ball soup. Because you're putting the matzo balls into a chicken soup. And, you know, you have the stock in there and you have the vegetables if you want. But it's just improving on an already amazing soup, which is chicken soup. Mm -hmm. Now, however, if you go to your Jerry's Deli and they have matzo ball soup in a cup, that matzo ball is probably like like a floppy, like, Nerf ball. And it's probably disgusting. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I don't want to impugn you know, Jerry's Deli. But just, I'm saying, if you go to a restaurant, more often than not, you'll get a really bad matzo ball soup. Yeah. However, a homemade matzo ball soup, which is essentially, I think, generally just chicken soup with also like amazing matzo balls thrown in there. Right. There's nothing, there's no way to beat that. Okay, so I've never had that before because I feel like I've had matzo ball soup at like at like a Jerry's Deli. Sure. And and I love the chicken noodle soup at Jerry's Deli so much, so I really have no incentive to really change it up from there so maybe one day uh maybe one day uh maybe you search like uh what's the best matzo ball soup in los angeles right right and then i'll go uh plan my day around that but now so now i know if if we ever have like a a a friday night like shabbat dinner or saturday lunch i know we gotta have the matzo ball soup we gotta have the chillant with the kishka that's the (laughs) menu so far what a day what a day all right so let's get to the emails here. And Akiva, so why don't we uh, dive into the emails from this episode? And we're recording this on Tuesday this week. So we didn't get to hear from all of our regular emailers, but uh, you know, busy podcast week coming up uh, the rest of the week. All right, let's get into our emails. Johnny DeSilvera, he wants to know, why were Elaine and Mr. Pitt in England for five days? It's never explained. Did you think about this? Is this anything to do with having the merger from the Molin Spring in the last episode? Yeah, they probably they couldn't find an American water company to buy out. They probably needed a British water company. <laughs> I think yeah. ultimately it's probably just they needed, like, how did she meet this random British guy? You know, and how can we explain it in a throwaway line in 10 seconds? That's probably the reason. Also, Johnny wants to know, why is Hildy so dependent on Kramer for food? It's a good question. Yeah, not explained. No, right. we don't know much about Hildy. <laughs> What does Brandon have to say? Uh, Brandon uh, says, Dear Robin Akiva, may I call you Kiev? Uh Yeah, sure. Sure. Wow. Um, I wanted to weigh in on your discussion of George's bathroom routine from last week's podcast about the gymnast. First, you discussed what the benefit of taking your shirt off while using the restroom would be. Although I'm not privy to the habits of others, I can't be alone in the desire that my shirt tail must No, You're not alone. Nobody wants, Brandon, nobody wants their shirt to fall into the toilet. No. Well, let's not pretend like you're not ideally. Uh, keeping your shirt, I, I, you don't even know about tzitzas. I'm going to tell you about those one day. The, that's another, uh, with too much inside Jewish baseball for one podcast. <laughs> keeping your shirt gathered up matzo and out of, <laughs> out of the inside way. Inside matzo ball. <laughs> keeping your shirt, there, there's, your, there's your hashtag, yeah. inside matzo ball. Keeping your shirt gathered up and out of the way is a chore. Spoiler, though. <laughs> is, a George, is a chore that George isn't up to. George needs both hands to hold the newspaper. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Second, you discussed why George's girlfriend, why his girlfriend's mother would relate George having a shirt off in the bathroom to being homeless. I've always taken it. it, Oh, so it's like an allegory that George is a homeless guy who doesn't have access to a shower. And therefore, he's taking the opportunity in the bathroom as a chance to wash up a sponge bath 
of sorts. That's a good point, Brandon. Anyway, love the show. We love you too, Brandon. Okay. Lindsay has a question for us. She wants to know, is it just me or is Kramer's full-figured gal not so much full-figured as just loud? Yeah, she has nothing to do, so she just yells. And I think she's tall, but she's not really full-figured. Yeah. I don't know why they go out of their way to say that. She's a bit of like a uh, Miss Piggy-type character where she's just like, Kramer! <laughs> like, yeah, she's a nag. Yeah, she's like coming in and like yelling at him. So, yeah, I don't know. We don't love Hildy either. No, she's not the worst in this episode. Okay, why don't you bring it home with Chester? Uh, Chester, why would Jerry give the suit to Simon, who Elaine clearly hates and considers a moocher, especially when he knows Kramer would love to have it? Yeah, Kramer's not a size 40, though. What, uh, Chester, this is an easy answer. Come on. <laughs> Kramer is much taller than these people. Maybe Jerry feels like it's like a cursed suit and like Banya will harass that guy if that guy has the suit. It's a good point. It's probably, he just wants it. He says he doesn't want to look at it. So he associates it with something bad. So why not give it to this terrible person? Who probably- so mad. Is this a baby? <laughs> the end of the episode, Chester wants to know, it implies that George can no longer eat at the coffee shop because of the threat he received after his overcalling backfires. But it doesn't continue in future episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Got nothing. It's a is good that point. canon? I think, I think it is. I mean, we see it, you know, it's, it's pretty clear in the episode. They say, like, he can't come back. But uh, I don't know. They don't really give a reason. I, I think the guy just calmed down. Maybe George is like, wait, you threatened to kill me? I'm going to sue you. And then he's like, okay, compromise. You're allowed back in the restaurant. Also, we're not sure. He, sometimes he's the manager. Sometimes he's the owner. So yeah. he might not have the authority to ban him. I'm not sure. Ban, yeah. So do you think that he, George, came in and then like really just like, like oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like this was a whole misunderstanding. And she- yeah, it's not George's M.O., but he, he, he's so desperate here. I mean, isn't, he basically has no more social life if he can't come into Monks anymore. So Right. But didn't the last time we see this character that he would, you know, he had the earrings on and it was sort of like to make the point about uh, the Jerry. Remember we talked about this, that, uh, that, yes, Jerry, that yeah. maybe he was gay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know what's going on with the yeah, manager. He, I mean, he's Monk. the manager. He's the owner. They, you know, he's, they basically, he's a canvas and they make him whatever they want to be that episode. <laughs> okay. All right. So the hashtag for this week is uh, inside matzo ball. That's right. Okay. All right. So then what episode is coming up next week? Uh, next week we have the mom and pop store. Okay. Uh, we have uh, George buying John Voight's car and a lot of other fun stuff. All right. That's all coming up next week on the Seinfeld Recap Podcast. Uh, thanks so much to Mike Moore for our episode recap. And, of course, uh, Mike, we need to know at what point does the soup discussion start. So we'll need to get that in the, in the recap so people can skip ahead if they can't wait and devour it like a delicious matzo ball before they get to the broth, which is our recap. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre, who is putting together and editing this show, even though he's on the road this week. So uh, thank you again to Scott. Akiva, anything else? No, I mean, we can't really top the the soup ranking, so I feel like we're no. good to go here. But we got to go out on a high note. Uh, follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. And also you could hear more about Akiva and his soup rankings and much, much more on the 32 Fans in 32 Days podcast where they are going to now continue to come up with new things to talk about during the NFL offseason. Yeah, I think we decided it's going to be called 32 Fans, which doesn't really help anything, but <laughs> at least it's shorter. You should have called it 32 Soups in 32 Days. Yeah, I, I feel like how big is the soup market, really? <laughs> like, it's a niche. Like, people will come for this episode. I'm sure this will be our highest you know, rated episode or whatever, mm-hmm. but are they going to stay? Is that going to keep them here? I don't know. I don't All right, so. well, <laughs> if, if you enjoyed the soup rankings, uh, you can go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes 
where you can also leave us a star rating in the iTunes store. Search for the Seinfeld Post Show Recap. All right, Kiva, anything else? Uh, No, I'm good for this week. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Take care.